Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, June 22nd. Today on the show, the Supreme Court makes a huge ruling for college football and SEC fans. We will visit with Teron Davenport of ESPN and get his thoughts on the Titans rookie class that is now in camp. But we begin with one of the most bizarre nights of Vanderbilt baseball that I've ever seen. The Full 40 is brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home remodeling firm. An award-winning firm, I might add. And of course, check out the website, buildkg.com. You can see all of their great work there. They are incredibly detail-oriented and careful to make sure that everything that you guys talk about and plan on the front end is exactly what they deliver on the back end. They have an in-house design team. They make sure they're taking your entire project from beginning to end, holding your hand, making sure your home comes to life exactly how you want it. BuildKG.com is the website. And remember the name, the Kingston Group. Again, BuildKG.com. In Vanderbilt's second game in Omaha, with a chance to start 2-0 and move one win away from the National Championship Series, Jack Leiter was absolutely dominant. He threw a complete game. He struck out 15. He allowed just four hits and only one run. He was perfect through four innings and finished with 123 pitches. And Vanderbilt lost. Yep, you heard that right. NC State won Monday night one to nothing to put the doors into the loser's side of the bracket and one loss away from going home. Instead of sitting and resting and setting up your rotation for three full days to play on Friday, the Commodores will now face elimination on Wednesday night. The Vandy Bats found nothing on Monday night against a freshman starter and the result was the first shutout of the 62-game season for Tim Corbin's team. They mustered just two hits on the biggest stage of their entire season and had only five base runners the whole night. And it's only the second time Vanderbilt has been shut out in the College World Series, the only other time coming against Texas in 2014. And I suppose if you're superstitious and trying to find a silver lining, that Vanderbilt team went on to win the national title. Speaking of Texas, atrocious offense, and losing to the ACC, on Tuesday, the Tennessee Volunteers will face the number two Longhorns at 1 p.m., in their own elimination game. And the loss by Vanderbilt on Monday night means that neither of the in-state teams here in Tennessee will start 2-0. And what is the data on winning it all without going 2-0? Of the last 30 national champions, 25 of them went 2-0 to start the College World Series. Just five times has a team come back from the loser's bracket to win the whole thing. Now, both teams are totally capable of making an improbable run back into the final series. But the absolute disappearance of offense for both Vandy and UT is extremely concerning. Now they both have a lot of work to do, or by Wednesday night, the entire state could be eliminated. This week on the show, we are going to talk with Teron Davenport of ESPN a couple of different times about what he's seen so far with the new collection of Titans that have come together and started loosely practicing at St. Thomas Sports Park. This morning, I asked him exactly what he has seen so far from the 2021 rookie draft class for the Tennessee Titans. Well, we haven't gotten to see Caleb Farley yet. He continues to work out just separately uh, from the team. He's rehabbing to get back. The expectation is for him to be ready for training camp. So that's something to look forward to. Dylan Radens actually has looked really good just in that he's able to play multiple positions. You can't really say exactly where he's lining up, but he's basically everywhere except for center. So that just lets you know that he is bringing things along very well. You're not seeing them have to stop or play or anything like that for him jumping off sides or false starting. 
or even just being told steps and things like that. So it's it's really good from his perspective. Then you move to Monty Rice, the third round pick, the first of two. He had an interception, I want to say the first day of minicamp. Yes, it was the first minicamp that we got to see. He had an interception. He missed the practice, but he's a lot quicker than I thought. I was impressed with just his movement, getting to his drops, and those type of things. Can't really see much from the linebackers. Uh, just like for Dylan Radens, you can't see much physically. But what we have seen uh, from Radens, as I mentioned, was good. And uh, Rice is coming along. Then he moved to Elijah Molden. And he is actually my favorite of all the picks. I haven't really seen anything from him to make me say, oh, yeah, that is Elijah Molden. But it's still early. And he's digesting everything. He, he's working at various positions. I see a lot of time being spent with Anthony Midget, which I really like because that's bringing him along. And he's a very analytical, I don't even want to say analytical. He's a very, he pictures things really well and he processes it and he plays fast. And that's why he's ideal for the nickel. In fact, I wrote about that on ESPN.com. His, his dad, Alex, played in the league, Alex Molden played for the Chargers as well as the Saints. And then he was coached by Jimmy Lake from University of Washington, who was one of the best DB coaches in the nation. Coached guys like Rondé Barber. You know, you look at what they've done at, at Washington. So to kind of put a ball around that, there are high expectations from Molden, and rightfully so, and, and he'll come along just fine. Moving on to Des Fitzpatrick, the thing with him that, that I, I like is just a continued progression. You see him just get more and more comfortable in the drills and those type of things. He catches the football with ease. You definitely like that. Even when it's off target, you know, he's reaching behind him or above himself to make the catches, which you have to like. And I think that's a good thing. And then you also look at Rashad Weaver. He's getting in there. They're dropping him into coverage. He's coming off the edge. He's doing a bunch of things. And I think he's going to be a contributor. Once all this muck gets uh, sorted out, I, I definitely believe he'll be a contributor. Uh, Racy McMath, as well as Brady Breeze, these are guys I know that won't get too much time, but they'll be special teams contributors. It's still early, and we'll see more and more. That was Teron Davenport of ESPN. We're going to hear a little bit more from him on Thursday as it pertains to the Julio Jones trade and what the offense and defense will look like from an expectation standpoint in 2021. I love his take on Elijah Molden. I have been very high on Molden from the very beginning. Nice to hear good things about Monty Rice as well. I think he is the succession plan to Rashawn Evans. And, of course, the Caleb Farley news is no surprise. He will not be ready to go until camp. But always love Teron's perspective. He has a player evaluator scout's mind and eye, and I love getting his take on that type of stuff when it comes to looking at new pieces for the Tennessee Titans. The Supreme Court ruled on Monday in a 9-0 unanimous decision against the NCAA that they can no longer limit education-related payments to student-athletes. The root of the suit is a major challenge to the NCAA's antitrust status. It's super complicated, filled with lots of legal mumbo-jumbo and bylaws and God knows what else. So what does it mean for college football fans, the SEC, and in particular, our state, teams inside Tennessee? If you've forgotten, there is pending name, image, and likeness legislation set to take effect on July 1st in the state of Tennessee. And the SEC, along with a few other conferences, are pushing for some emergency rules to be put in place ahead of the new NIL laws that will go into effect in five states on July 1st, again, including Tennessee. So what does Monday's court ruling and all this other stuff actually mean? 
Well, it's fairly narrowly focused on education spending, but the ruling itself is a huge shot across the bow of the amateur model, which of course is already teetering on the brink of self-destruction. Justice Brett Kavanaugh laid bare the obvious issues with the current model. Here is what he wrote, quote, The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Price-fixing labor is price-fixing labor, and price-fixing labor is ordinarily a textbook antitrust problem because it extinguishes the free market in which individuals can otherwise obtain fair compensation for their work. Traditions alone cannot justify the NCAA's decision to build a massive money-raising enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. I know that's a lot to take in. So again, back to the original question. What does this mean for college football, the SEC, and the state of Tennessee in the immediate future? Not a ton. Athletes are now able to receive compensation for education-related expenses, like laptops or postgraduate scholarships. But if you package this rhetoric from Kavanaugh with a new name, image, and likeness law set to take effect, as I mentioned, on July 1st in the state of Tennessee, schools like Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Memphis should be able to offer prospective student-athletes far more than almost any other school in the country. Obviously, the NCAA is scrambling to find a name, image, and likeness solution prior to July 1st. But whatever happens, the state of Tennessee is set to begin compensating athletes in a variety of ways. And ultimately, that should make playing for schools in our state extremely attractive. If I am Josh Heupel or Clark Lee, I am selling today's court ruling and the impending rules changes in the state as hard as I possibly can on the recruiting trail. Come to Vanderbilt, come to Tennessee, come to Memphis, where we're going to make sure you get paid. It's a pretty good sales pitch. Of course, the 440 brought to you by the Kingston Group, our great and wonderful friends over at BuildKG.com, Nashville's award-winning locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They've been doing this work in this city for over a decade, and there's a reason they're growing their family to hire new project managers because they continue to evolve their business to make sure they're giving you, the client, the best possible experience and product that they can. BuildKG.com, check out their work. You'll see all of the great stuff that they do all over homes, all over the city. So make sure you check it out, buildkg.com. And remember the name, The Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Enjoy some more baseball. Let's see if Tennessee can stay alive. Please share the show, of course, uh, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. Again, thank you all for listening. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, June 22nd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.